Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people who are struggling with STI stigma to mental health resources. Today I have my friend Dee here who is going to be sharing her own story about living with HSV from diagnosis to disclosure like most of our podcast episodes are. So Dee, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Thank I'm you. so proud of everything that you do for your work and it's just amazing beyond words. Thank you. So you touch more lives than you think you do. So I think I'm, it's awesome. I appreciate that. I don't know if you can tell the fuming anger that is flowing from me right now because we just talked for 11 minutes. I just talked for 11 <laughs> minutes. Uh, just giving this bomb ass like description I know, that was pretty legit. of everything that was happening <laughs> with something positive for positive people. And it just seemed like the universe was like, no, nah, don't tell people that. So we're just going to leave that out of the podcast altogether. Um, oh, I thought that was everything that you said was so good. I was going to compliment you when you were done talking. <laughs> I don't I don't know what happened. I have no idea. And it did that to me when I was recording the last episode, I guess. And it I made it through in, uh, the full recording after that happened. I maybe was eight minutes in and then it just stopped. I went through. I yeah. deleted stuff. I closed out other apps. I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do. And then it was like, oh, it we can't record because some another another app is demanding exclusive access to the mic. So f that noise. Um, how old Technology are you? Technology is a wonderful thing when it wants to work right. When it wants to. How old are you? <laughs> I am thirty five. Thirty five. Ooh. Thirty five. Oh, I know. How long have you been living with HSV? Uh, diagnosed with HSV two. I think probably back. I think two thousand eight. Oh, okay. So it's been well over 10 years now, looking back, like I was like, oh shit, has it really been that long? <laughs> yeah. So for someone who's had it for 10 years, what makes you want to come on here and share your story? I'm just curious. You don't have a real reason to, especially after so long you've been navigating this, however you've been navigating it, and here we are. Yeah, I think I was fortunate the first uh, six years or so because... The first person that I told and then the second person were super, super understanding and didn't care. You know, that was not a big deal. Like, like it was nothing. And then, um, I'd gotten into a bad relationship where you talk about, talk about a lot about mental health. And here I am this strong, independent woman and never thought I would ever be in a relationship that made me feel small. And then I dated a guy for about a year, year and a half. And, uh, never thought I would ever let someone break me down the way he did. And of course, uh, one of the things that he would always like, whenever we get an argument, it was always like one thing that he would throw in my face, you know? And I remember we had gotten in a big argument towards the end of our relationship. For some reason he was mad at me and, uh, he's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want herpes. And I'm like, well, I told you when we first got together, you know, nothing is guaranteed that you won't get it. So this, here I am, like a year and a year, year and a half in dating somebody, and they're mad at you, and that's the first thing that they throw in your face. And then we'd get in arguments, and he'd explain to me, you know, if, you know, anyone in their right mind, if when you told them that you have herpes, like, they'll run for the hills if uh, they were any, had any kind of smarts about them. And I'm just like, how can someone who says that they love you speak those words to you? So... Obviously, I am thankful that I'm no longer in that relationship, and I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, after that breakup, uh, I decided to pack up everything, and I took the biggest risks of my life, left home, moved out here to Colorado, and it's been probably one of the hardest but best decisions I've ever done for myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like dating. I've had some horror stories about telling people, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to... There's going to be people that accept it, and there's going to be people that don't. And you have to not be able to put your self-worth into other people's hands. And I'm the first one to say that that's what I did. I felt like I was trying to get validation from people because I didn't accept it in myself. And I feel like it's, uh, it's, easy to, it's easier to learn things than it is to unlearn things. 
as I far I feel like as far as unlearning the negativity that stems around the stigma about it. So yeah, that's why I figured I listened to other podcasts about some of the comedians, um, Erica Spera, Hannah Dickinson, Ella Dawson. You know, I've listened to a lot of their things where you know they're very open about it and they made you know made light of the situation and hearing them talk about it made me want to open up and uh, be open about it. Yeah, I appreciate that because I think yeah. the majority of people who have experience with herpes or who um, we can learn from are everyday people that we would not normally hear from for various reasons. You yep. mentioned that for the first six years you were in a relationship, and then after that you had gotten into relationships and you were dating, so you don't really have a reason to tell anyone outside of the person that you're dating. So thank you for stepping into this light and being willing to yeah. share your experience and share your story uh, as a way of just hopefully helping someone. Part of what I said yeah. in the beginning here was talking about how mental health and sexual health seem to be so separate, but they are so interconnected. My sex education as a youth really stemmed around wearing condoms or not having sex until you were married for the purpose yeah. of not getting someone pregnant or not getting an STI, right? So the mental health pieces that developed over time as I went through my own self-sex education, if you will, was that mental health plays such a major role in how we go about talking about sex, initiating, having sex, all aspects of sex, to me, have um, really connected with mental health. Now, omitting things from sex education as a youth, such as consent, body autonomy, asking for what you need, setting boundaries, being able to honor and respect someone's boundaries, being able to say no. These are all things that if youth are taught, alongside sex education or to be honest you could even leave out the word sex and just speak about it from a mental health perspective and you've got consenting boundary respecting adults uh that come to be as a result of this and so i'm saying all of this to ask you because you mentioned that uh you had issues with your own self-worth in those oh, yeah. relationships that you were in where they're pieces of uh, relationship management such as boundaries and being able to walk away and ask for help that you feel like you learned after your experience with your abuser um i feel like even now like it's taken four years i've been uh single for over four years that i'm just finally learning what boundaries are I'm sticking up for myself um i was fortunate with my job um they give you eight free sessions with a therapist. So I actually took advantage of that. And uh, we talked about different situations that I've been in. And a lot of the red flags that I saw, well, that she pointed out to me that, you know, I took personal, you know. And uh, just people's just kind of the stigma behind it. I mean, I deal with, I think I have an outbreak maybe once or twice a year. And it affects me for, what, a couple days? So that's nothing out of a whole year and then you have people out here willing to chance getting COVID but then are scared out of their minds about herpes like herpes won't kill you bro <laughs> you know and I feel like I just want to make a major point for people who listen to this who actually have it or people who are listening it because they're dating somebody or thinking about dating someone that has it I think one of the major things is I don't think people who don't have it understand me personally, and I feel like other people feel the same way, like the last thing we want to do in a relationship or with somebody else is to pass it on. So we try to do whatever we can to make sure that doesn't happen, you know, and I think people are just not aware of that. And for me, it just scares me and I don't want to ever give it to somebody. But I know at the end of the day, I do whatever possible to make sure that I keep my partner safe. And I feel like even though I have disclosed the people that were very, very nasty and rude about it. At least at the end of the day, I know that I walked away being the bigger person. Like, I was open and honest with you, and if you can't accept that, that speaks volumes for your personality, and that saves me the trauma later on down the road. Can you share some of those nasty disclosures that you've had? Oh, God. 
was uh, out on a date with this one guy, and he was telling me all the sweet nothings. And we were halfway into the date, and we were going out, uh, driving out to the mountains. It's about a 45-minute drive. So, like, we worked out for about an hour before uh, we changed, got in his truck, and we were driving out. And, like, 15 minutes into the date, you know, we start talking about our qualities and what he's looking for and what he's not looking for. And he... Uh, he went on to just explain that, you know, um, he's clean and he could never be with somebody that has an STD. And he's like, you know, especially herpes, like, I couldn't imagine going down on a girl and coming up with all shit all over my face. And I'm just like, this is like 15 minutes into this 45 minute drive. And then we still have the rest of the day. Like, it's kind of hard because in the mountains you lose service, but at that point I wanted to just hop out of the truck and call an Uber because it's like, first of all, he doesn't know my situation, and that was the first time I literally was very proud of myself about holding back and not losing it, you know? Um, so, yeah, we just continued on the date, and then um, he was like, Every you're everything I'm looking for, blah, 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 and then I ended up telling him a few days later, like, hey, listen, what you said was pretty fucking shitty, excuse my language, but, um, and I disclosed to him, and I was a little upset, because I feel at the end of the day, it's not technically the herpes that upsets people, I think it's the, the, uh, being vulnerable, and putting yourself out there, you know, and so I ended up going over his house, and telling him, you know, he's like, I need some time to think about it, and I was like, you know what, think about it, and then let me know, and then, like, the next day, he had blocked me on all the platforms, yeah. Yeah. So I reached out to my therapist talking about it, and she's like, do you know what that is? She's like, that's avoidance. She's like, to the point where he feels like he doesn't owe you the same respect that you gave him by being honest, mm. you know? And she's like, what happens later on down the road when there's something more serious? He's just going to get up and leave or avoid it? She's like, red flag, see you later. Yeah, and that's such a gift to have. Uh, yeah. People call herpes a gift out of sarcasm, but in a way, when you have to have this kind of conversation, we look at yeah. a lot of things that we call baggage, for instance, um, having children from past relationships, having been divorced, having been separated, not wanting children, wanting children, having pets. There are so many different things that we have to disclose or feel a need to disclose um, that are more impactful to the relationship than our herpes status will ever be. Think about yeah. people who've experienced some aspect of abuse or survived some sort of trauma in the past and how that affects how they are triggered and show up in relationships. We've got all these different things. And in your case, you went into it. You know you have HSV. You know you're going to have to tell him at some point if you want to be intimate. And then he just tells you right away, I am not the kind of person who's going to stick around for whatever this baggage is because again it's just hsv i understand that we place so much value over our sexual connections and having sex there's a lot of quality of um of of our identities that are there but who's to say that if you didn't if you got sick for whatever reason you were bound to a wheelchair and you needed him a little bit more you could use the help a little bit more if you were on crutches if for some reason you were unable to work for a period of time or if you had pain or if you needed to be on medication for your mental health or if you you know got sick to the point where you relied on him to take care of you, this told you right now that if he can't handle just speaking about HSV and what that would mean if you were to continue a conversation or a dialogue or a relationship, he chose to just flat out disappear and avoid it altogether right out the gate. Yeah. So that's what would have happened long term if you were in this relationship. And then he he was talking that good stuff to you. It sounded like, like oh, yeah, yeah. You, girl, you perfect. You everything I could ever want. And then you disclose this thing to him and he's not even willing to talk to the perfect girl about what a relationship can look like with sex. So there, there's so much there. 
And for you to have offered that vulnerability and to have been met with just flat out avoidance, that speaks so many, that speaks volumes to that person and his uh, behaviors and beliefs, not yours, but your willingness to even share in the face of that, you know, that talks, that touches on your character. Yeah, and I I feel like I should have not even entertained anything else after that conversation in the car because it kind of just spoke volumes about his mindset, you know, and this is coming from a guy that he was 45 years old, so it wasn't like someone young either. So it was just, I was very, very blown away Mm -hmm. and not saying that it didn't hurt. I know it was early, but it was still the fact that someone could say something so horrible and that's where the stigma won't go away, Mm -hmm. you know, because of people like that who are naive. Let me ask you something here. So what made you decide to go to his house later and tell him that you had herpes? Because I'll be honest, I've been in situations where someone's made a comment about SCIs and I just was like, there won't be a second date. Like I've made Um, the decision early on that I'm not going to continue to see you and that's it. So I I don't want to call it ghosting because it wasn't like. I just disappeared. It was more of like phantoming. I kind of phased my way out. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know that was another term, but yeah, I have another uh, situation about another comment some guy made, but um, I think because my therapist, we talked about um, being okay talking about it. And the more and more you talk about it, the more and more you accept it. And I think sometimes I still was at this point in my life where I was still in denial. You know, and I was still you know, hoping that it would go away or there would be a cure or I would find something on the internet that, you know, take this vitamin, it would make everything go away, you know? I still had that in the back of my mind. And she just told me the more and more you talk about it, the more and more you'll break the stigma and the more and more you'll accept yourself. So it was more of like a learning process too. Like, I kind of feel like he's not gonna be okay with it, but it's me continuing to be vulnerable and opening myself up and being okay with who I am. Yeah. So after your disclosure, you got a dis as closure. Yeah. Ooh. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say it that way for sure. I'm definitely going to do something with that with the title. Disclosure. <laughs> Ooh. I love when this happens. That's good. That's, that's it happens good. so organically. Uh, <clears throat> with that being said, and just how you were able to go over there and talk about it to him and like that that's you doing something about the stigma for yourself had you not said anything perhaps you would have internalized that and it would have just developed some self-resentment if that's a thing because he said something that you didn't like and you didn't address it so you could have just avoided it and just kind of pushed this down even more inside of you to, because like you don't have, um, you don't have. Let me see what's the word I'm looking for here. There's no. Um, you're not getting what you want out of it for sure, uh, because you went on a date. Obviously, you liked the guy. You thought he was attractive. Something about him made you want to work out with him, hop in his truck, and go out to the mountains, have a conversation, and at the very least inform him after he had already made the rude comment that you are someone who falls under the category of the kind of person that he made that rude comment about, right? Yeah, and he's like, you know, I feel like an asshole, and I'm like, you should. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, was a shitty, that was a shitty comment, you know? It's unfair for you to talk like people, because you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. What do you, know? you what do you think would have happened or what do you think you would have felt if you didn't say anything? Do you think that uh, you would have had that fear of disclosing to him because of what he said, because you were afraid of losing him? Do you think it would have led to having sex still and maybe you not disclosing? What would have happened had you not told him? Um, I think if I didn't told him, it would have been me avoiding the situation again. Like, it's easier for me to just walk away than it is for me to open up and be vulnerable to somebody. So it would have just been me, like, pretending that it didn't happen. Mm. Move your hair If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, 
And I wonder how many people find themselves in that situation, exactly the opposite of what actually happened for you. Because I've spoken to people who have been in situations with a person and they flat out ask, hey, do you have any STIs? They say no because they're put on the spot. They're not prepared. Um, or even they just go on and don't feel that it's the right time or the best time to disclose or they don't have the confidence to do so in fear of this person judging them, in fear of this person depriving them of what they want. We're so goal focused sometimes that we completely overlook the journey to get us to the destination. And part of that journey is being able to disclose, even if that leads to us not getting what we want and it ends up closing out the situation altogether. You know, going back to this and the word closure, right? I'm, I'm loving that. I still like that that was something that came That's up That's a really here. good one. But um, yeah, it, it, I think that that also leads to people being challenged with disclosing altogether because you get past a certain point and you're just like, I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to tell them. That's a message that I've been getting more recently, especially with COVID right now, right? People are being a lot more mindful and careful about how many people they're spending time with. Some people are going back to exes. Some people are clinging to relationships that are way below their standards and operating out of a place of convenience. So when you have what you think you want so close right there in your grasp, you're going to do whatever you can to not mess that up. And that may look like not telling a person that you have herpes because now you're risking going into a space of uncertainty, that uncertainty being where you're going to get your next sexual encounter from or where you're going to get shelter from or where you're going to get companionship and just basic human touch from. Yeah, which I feel like, especially with COVID, people telling you not to touch, not to hug, not to do all this stuff, it makes you crave it that much more, you know? And to be honest... (laughs) I've told people after the first couple dates, I've told people three months in, um, there's never a right time to tell someone. Never. You can't say, okay, today's going to be the day. I'm going to do it. Because I've done that and I backed out. You know, and it just comes, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. It is. And part of this, uh, did, was that one relationship you had the only abusive relationship that you were in? Um, I've had like I, had, I think I had a few other ones that I started dating, but then got out of them quickly because I saw the red flags. What were the uh, red but flags? Yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes people can be belittling in roundabout ways. Um, I remember I was on actually had a guy. We were four dates in. He had come over, and uh, we were just going to hang out. And homeboy walks into my kitchen, and I have all my vitamins out on the counter. So he walks into my kitchen, and he's like, oh, what do you got going on in here? Uh, What do you have, herpes? You're going to tell me that you have herpes after we've already made out? And I'm like, how dare this fucking guy walk into my house and disrespect me in my own house? And then this is the same guy that left my house mad because it was four dates in and I didn't have sex with him. So it's like, I don't understand, like, people, like, I don't even know. Dating in 2021. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this. How did he Expectations, make it? I think, are a big thing. Like, I- people expect, they have, like, this timeline where they expect things to happen. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't happen, they, they feel then entitled and if they don't get it, they just get mad. And at this point, if you're on a dating app, if someone doesn't give it to you, you're just a swipe away from getting it from someone else. Yeah. You know? And that's not in the, that's not the mentality that I'm looking for. I'm not looking for just a random hookup. I'm looking for a life partner, like someone to share this life with. I've gotten to a point where I'm so happy with everything that I have and who I've become over the last four years that I'm not willing to save space for somebody who's just going to take. Yeah. How did that dude make it to date number four? Um, We just had a good time. We had good conversation. And I was still on the rocks about him, still trying to feel feel him out. 
So mm-hmm. there's the golden rule where you're supposed to give people technically three dates to see, give them a chance. All right. <laughs> I, I have a I have a, a very controversial <laughs> thing that I, I'm going to say, and this may be a shitty thing. Is this from thing. a guy's point of view? This is, this is from my point of view, yes. Okay. All right. Let's you ready? It. You ready? Now, yeah. I understand that we live in a society that tells women to respond to things in a certain way. But I recognize we can use fuckboys as an example. Fuckboy behavior being enabled by a partner. Dudes wouldn't do anything that doesn't work for them. We're very very logical creatures. I'm going to continue doing what works for me until it completely stops working. It may not work for everybody, but if it works more often than it does not work, then I'm going to continue to do that. So when we talk about like this abusive behavior... This dude, having made it to four dates, yes, you had a good time, but if he was belittling, I imagine it wasn't date four that he was belittling. There were probably uh, pieces of that or hints of that between early interactions, date one, date two, date three. That's why I asked, how do you make it to date four if he was someone that you didn't see yourself being with? Yeah, I mean, I'm still learning what red flags are. I'm still that person. Oh, you brought me a, a, ro- a dozen red flags. Oh, how nice of you. Like, <laughs> I'm still that person, like, trying to navigate red flags, you know? So, especially coming from, like, my uh, my ex that was so uh, abusive mentally. Like, he was so good at the little things, man. Little things, little notes in the car, flowers nice dinners like little things whenever he did something that was kind of shitty he had a way of like bringing it back up and making it okay and like making it better you know it sounds so bad talking about it but damn i'm sorry I'm, I'm, I... <laughs> so wait 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 a dozen red flags because i thought you were gonna say roses that's why that's when i started to cover my face up and laugh i was like See, yeah. right, that was not where i saw that going at all <laughs> Uh, I'm curious because I I have a lot of women friends and they talk about guys or they talk about relationships and like they they know what a good guy is or what a good guy looks like, a kind guy uh, or partner in general. But when they talk about them, you hear signs of abuse. And I'm learning that abuse is not just physically beating the shit out of someone, putting your hands on them at all. Abuse is also gaslighting, lying to people and not being transparent about things that are being asked. It's um, violating boundaries of the relationship of the person. And I see that there's a couple of things that happen. Either one partner has no boundaries. And so and I, can, I was probably one of those people. I can attest to that. To not having boundaries. To not have boundaries. And I think it came with a lack of respect for myself. Well, and I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand. Well, you also said that you weren't really aware of what boundaries were like until uh-huh. recently. And it's the same thing for me. I didn't know what boundaries were. I didn't I wasn't taught to have boundaries. I was taught to be selfless, do everything for other people, nothing for yourself. Any little thing that you do for you is a selfish act and God doesn't like that. God doesn't like selfish people, right? And now yeah. I'm learning that some of the people that I look up to the most are by far some of the most um, they they give to themselves. I don't want to call them selfish. They're people who make time to do what it is that they need to do so that they can show up and be of better service to the world and um, and and create and do their craft and just do whatever it is that they're supposed to be here doing. And so, being taught to not have boundaries to all of a sudden be 30 years old look up and see all right i absolutely have to work on this and it looks like being uh a dick to an extent right like because now i have to say no saying no has always been something i was told not to do don't you tell me no like from parents don't tell don't go give someone a hug don't say no no matter what it is is happening in my body i'm taught to ignore my red flag radar because of what someone else wants me to do. And I'm wondering if that kind of upbringing, those social interactions with family and 
and family friends, friends of the family are teaching us how to be in a relationship and then how to be in a relationship as an adult where we're just completely taught to be abused, be taken advantage of, be lied to and deceived and just trust that, oh, maybe one day they'll change and just expect yeah. a different behavior by us remaining consistent in enabling the behavior that's being done to us and not being taught to just walk away from situations that don't serve us because then it's selfish or we gave up on them or we should give them a second chance or we should give them three dates. <laughs> that look on your face, I love it. boundaries is a big part and I think boundaries plays also like I said has a lot to do with self-respect if you respect yourself enough you're going to be strong enough to tell somebody no or I don't appreciate the way you're treating me or be strong enough to walk away and I think deep down we know we should walk away but we just don't do it <laughs> now do we not walk away in fear of never getting what it is that we think that other person has the potential to offer us or is, uh, or famous words potential yeah or something that they've given us once we're hoping to be able to get again so maybe that's Very much so good sex maybe it's resources maybe it's money maybe it's a good time Maybe it's just something as simple as being touched and feeling something like being able to feel something may be better for some people than feeling nothing at all. So passion 100%. and intensity, even if that something is something that's hurtful, if it makes you sad and upset or it makes you feel enraged and there's just that that fueled passion there by the toxicity of a relationship that's something that makes people feel alive, whereas in the day-to-day -day life of the world, navigating it with uh, perhaps a healthy relationship or someone who's safe or someone who's uh, nice or kind or just doesn't make you feel intense emotions, that doesn't do it for some people. So now, perhaps we find ourselves in situations where we're just looking for a feeling, period. Is, is that something that maybe you can relate to from your experience? Oh, for sure. It's better to feel something than nothing at all. Yeah. You know? So, and, yeah. oh, you, you're making a face. You, you, like, looked up like you were having a flashback. What's the flashback? No, it's just, it's just crazy to think that I was in that situation, and I let things get so out of hand. Yeah, especially, you know? like, talking to you now, um, we've talked a few times prior to recording, <laughs> And you seem like someone who respects yourself. You don't take bullshit. You got your own stuff going it's on. It's taken me a while to get here. Yeah. It's been a bumpy road, but I feel like I've finally gotten to the point where I am where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And it has not been easy. Do you feel like there are perhaps weak points or moments where you're a little bit more vulnerable or susceptible to falling into old patterns or lowering your standards even? I think sometimes you think about lowering your standards when you get lonely. Um, it's easy, very, very easy to do that. Uh, but then you have to remember that you were once at a place where you did not want to be, and you're finally at a place where you feel like your head is above water. Why do you want to go back down where you feel like you're going to start drowning again in emotion or letting someone take advantage of you and all that kind of stuff? So I think being able to look back on that feeling is a feeling that I never want to feel again. And I am at the point where I'd rather sit here and be lonely. And I'm so fortunate to have so many amazing girlfriends and friends that I can reach out to and hang out to and talk to, which replaces the fact of feeling lonely where I'm just going to lower my standards and be with some, probably some douchebag that will never really appreciate all that I have to offer. Let's talk more about that. Uh, I recently had a situation where I recognized that myself as a man, I know how to feel, recognize, and express anger or rage. And I've done it through mainly violence or sports. That's what happens to move that energy of anger and rage. And 
I was challenged with looking at ways of expressing other emotions. And I was thinking to myself, what other emotions are there? What does that even look like? And I recognize that I have more of a dependency on sex as a way of expressing emotion. So sex with partners and understanding like, maybe not even an understanding, but knowing that this feels good. And that's been my vehicle of emotional expression for, I don't know how long, maybe even since the first time I had sex at 16, which, you know, I've always played sports up until I couldn't play anymore. And then it became weightlifting, yoga, and I guess I've just avoided situations that make me angry. And now I've been challenged, like I said, with looking for other ways of expressing emotion. So what's come up are just creative expressions like art or cooking or uh, spending time with friends and developing more platonic male friendships. Uh, For me as a straight man, a straight cisgendered man, um, being able to have those kinds of relationships, hearing you say that right now was really validating for me because I was thinking to myself, all right, I need to work on my relationships with men. I have probably a handful of close male friends that I talk to, but I don't think that I'm as vulnerable with them in conversation and just connecting through dialogue as I would be with a romantic interest or someone that I've had sex with, will have sex with, or I am in the process of having sex with. That's a different kind of vulnerability, but in hindsight, I think I got the same feeling of connectedness through sex with a female partner as I did through the off the field stuff with my teammates that became my friends uh, in the locker room, outside the locker room that same feeling of connectedness through purpose, through community, through service is one that I've also gotten through having sex. And now I can also relate that to having been doing this podcast over the last four years, nonprofit for almost two years now, the feeling parallels between sex, service, community, support. So you can have all of these things and still get a very similar, I would even say, I'm tempted to say the same feeling of connectedness if that's what it is. So does that, me sharing all of that, is that kind of uh, something that you experience as well through your relationships, just that feeling of connectedness? Yeah, I feel like it's, I don't know if it's easier for girls to make friends than it is for guys. I don't feel like guys at times are as open as women are to make new friends. Um, I've been fortunate that I work with so many amazing, amazing girls, and we've gotten so close. And um, there's only I actually opened up to two of my close girlfriends that I work with about my HSV2 status. Um, so that was big for me, too, because it's kind of one of the things, like I said, I'm a very personal person. I don't really like a lot of people knowing my business. So it was also part of that journey that my therapist told me is to talk about it. You know, the more and more you talk about it, the more and more it gets off your chest. So just having conversations and spending time with females or any of my friends. Um, I know one of my big things, too, is as a female, you know, we like to get a guy's perspective on things. And I have talked about my herpes status with some guy friends of mine. And they're always like, you have so much to offer somebody. And if someone can't see that and all they see is your herpes status like they're fucking dumb yeah you know just like listening to that and like for you for a guy's perspective that's really awesome that you do have this podcast for females you know because you do get a guy's perspective there's a lot of guys aren't really talking about it as much i feel like as freely as the women are um one thing that i always love to do is i'm sure yoga probably has helped you to get into self-expression and relaxation and all that kind of stuff I enjoy weightlifting, going on walks, and just being outside. So anything I can do to just keep my mind busy is for right now, I'm like on this, I gave myself six months. Like I'm not going to be on any dating apps. I'm going to strictly solely work on myself 
and put myself first and continue to learn how to love myself. Because if I can't love myself, how am I going to expect some next guy that's going to come in and love me the way I expect him to if I can't even love myself? That's the, that's the gray rule of something positive for positive people. People can only, at best, treat you the way that they treat themselves, you know, and so if you're... And what you allow, what you allow people to treat you is huge, too. Mm-hmm. So what you get them to work with is what's going to let them know what the baseline is. Uh, I l- appreciate that you said you're getting some of your male friends perspective on you and they're able to see that you have so much more to offer than just what is in your genital region because that's another form of validation that perhaps we seek through sex is just being able to be seen by uh, the field of people that we are attracted to in a way that doesn't have to be goal oriented you just shared with someone about uh your status and what you were struggling with you were vulnerable with someone and you were met with validation for your experience and you were hyped up a little bit because i'm sure you probably had way more to say than just that's not all you have to offer and went down some kind of a list about how awesome you are as a person in ways that don't necessarily just reflect how you physically look, but represent your values, your beliefs, and um, whatever else it is that you are, whatever else it is that he recognizes through his interactions with you. So I guess it's really important here for us to take that away with this is to be able to get validation and have support, uh, be vulnerable with people around you in more ways than just sex. Because to me, I've viewed sex as most vulnerable as you can be because you are there bare-bodied and merging with one another, depending on what kind of sex it is, of course. Um, But in that, that's as vulnerable as you can be. So if you can do that, then you can talk about anything. And that's why it's always felt so safe to express and exchange emotions in that way because we're two people who've agreed to be as vulnerable as possible. And then after that, we can talk about our traumas and everything. But... I'm learning to challenge that viewpoint from the opposite or from another perspective of only looking at sex being limiting. What other ways can we connect that extend beyond the body energetically uh, through mutual interests, through uh, co-creating, through so many other ways? And I'm- But all that stuff just makes sex that much better when you have that outside connection, you know? I'm not gonna fuck my old teammates, but I think uh, <laughs> we can uh, we can say like having that type of connection with someone that you're but, also yes, attracted that you're to. Interested in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really that's a really good point. It does make the sex better when you have more of that beyond the body connection. So the energetic connection, being able to connect on mutual interests and hobbies and uh, just, I guess, being able to support each other through community or whatever else that may look like. And like I said, I'm learning this, and this was something that I actually processed on uh, episode, I believe, 173 of Something Positive for Positive People. I talked through um, just like neutralizing the toxicity of my own beliefs and behaviors as a man around sex and emotional expression and what that looks like. So I thank you for sharing everything that you have shared to just validate that for me. Like even through this podcast, I'm getting ongoing validation about my own life experiences. So this has been really healing for me as well. I feel like it's self-awareness too. Like you can't heal or you can't try to learn more about yourself if you're not aware of what's going on. Accountability, I guess it is at the end of the day, you know? wanting change, wanting something better, wanting to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, D, is there anything else you want to leave us with before I let you go? Um, I will say um, I did listen to Brene Brown's, her little Netflix thing that she had. Um, I don't know if you listened to it or if you saw it. And I think one of the things that she really harps on is vulnerability. And for years, 
you know, I thought, like she says in, in, in the Netflix thing, that vulnerability is weakness. And, you know, I was never that person that I always kept people an arm's length away. Like I loved you from an arm's length away because I couldn't let you get any closer because I was too scared. And I feel like I'm at this point in my life where being open about my status and wanting someone to love me for all my flaws and, you know, everything that I have to offer, I'm perfectly imperfect. And at the end of the day, being vulnerable, I think, is probably the sexiest quality someone can can have. Well, don't raise your eyebrows at me. I see you over there. <laughs> I think it is. Like, I don't know. Vulnerability is sexy. That was uh, how you know that was an eyebrow raise. That was winking. Mm, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, vulnerability is sexy, uh, and not just in the physical sense, but also in an energetic sense, in an emotional sense, in the physical sense, uh, in a mental sense. I did not mean to say physical. I'm not editing this podcast. Everything was good <laughs> until I just said that. <laughs> but yeah. you are absolutely right, and that's when we get to see that that piece of us that connects us like i don't believe that we're our bodies or our minds we are the electrical current that runs through the nervous system that fuels the body and fuels thoughts and behaviors that's who we are so the closest thing that we can get to experiencing that in another person is them expressing what is genuinely the essence of the human experience that flows through the nervous system like our, our spirit our, our soul if that's what you believe in our energy if you will and when we are able to express that through the body through our words through art through creation and expression we set up a beautiful opportunity for ourselves to be seen by and see other people so that we can connect at that level. I agree. All right. Um, D, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your donation as well. Thank you so much. This is, that's how we support something positive for positive people to keep this going. Uh, I mentioned on the episode, well, the recording before, I'm way less mad than I was now. Okay, good. You, you definitely <laughs> calmed me down. This conversation was amazing. I wish that yeah. I could have continued to say everything that I was saying, but in in a sense, man, something positive for positive people has gone way beyond just supporting people with herpes. Like I said before, um, I'm learning that people don't quite care about herpes. Not to say that the people who have it and have the most extreme symptoms don't care, because obviously you do, but this virus isn't going anywhere. The There's no cure at this point in time. I believe it when I see it. Uh, you got you to gotta show me. Show me your positive status. Show me your negative status. And then I can get on board with it. Um, I understand that there's research being done, but people are struggling and suffering now because of STI stigma. My mission is to support those people. And it's gone even deeper than that because as I continue to support people with mental health services and connecting them to community, what I'm learning is that there is so much more that is needed in relation to our mental health than our just being able to cure this virus would ever do. Just thinking about the traumas that are experienced not only at the point of diagnosis but leading up to it beforehand and then the traumas that we may create after our diagnosis as a result of it uh, think about not disclosing and all of the anxiety and pressure that comes with that and think about having to uh, potentially disclose to partners, worrying about when you're going to have another outbreak, thinking about how the world views you. So if we can get to a point of self-acceptance, self-respect, begin to articulate boundaries and respect boundaries, say no, ask for what we want, seek support. Those are all the kinds of things that I don't necessarily talk about, but that's what's being discussed. That's what's being um, highlighted here. 
I'm not a therapist. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a sex educator. I'm not a herpes activist or herpes advocate. I am an investigative journalist that is exploring the area of STI stigma, and I'm bringing these conversations to the forefront so that people have choices in how they choose to navigate the stigma. So that's what I'm doing. I'm working to integrate my post-STI diagnosis support resources with STD prevention efforts. Imagine you get diagnosed with herpes and you have a space that you go to at the CDC website. You look up the data and statistics and there's a little bitty tab or something somewhere that connects you to uh, resources that if you choose to be of support to other people, you want to disclose your status publicly, start an Instagram page and start posting memes about herpes or herpes education resources or STI information and sexual health information in general, you have access to consistent, honest resources that everyone can pull from, people can connect with and relate to, and we can put that out into the world so that it's consistent and we can feel confident doing so. So this is a collective effort. All of your engagements, the donations at www.spfpp.org, listening to this podcast, being a guest on this podcast, interviewing me for your podcast, writing into the Something Positive from Positive People podcast blog. I shouldn't have said podcast blog, but you know what I mean. Joining these communities, joining support, getting therapy, seeking therapy, supporting someone else, disclosing your status, all of these little seemingly uh, incons- or these little itty bitty things are chipping away at the stigma that comes with having an STI. And the more support that you give to the people who are putting a lot of energy and time into these resources, the more soon that it becomes normalized to, at the very least, have a discussion about STIs and be able to talk through them with potential partners. So your continued support is so much appreciated. I thank you. I thank you for being here. I thank you for sharing these resources and being engaged. And I will, well, I won't anything. You'll hear my voice on the next episode. Uh, yeah, till next time, stay sex positive. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? I don't think so. All right. Well, that's it.